It's like when you try to, when you're finishing high school, you're like, I don't know what I want to do. I like, I don't want to resign myself to just riding the waves because I also want to walk the wind and I also want to slay the big whales and I want to clean up the frontiers. Should I just do a Bachelor of Art? Welcome back to the Fierce Females of History podcast, where we tell the stories of women through history that you should know about. My name's Talissa. I'm Erin. And I'm Lucy. Sounding a little different to normal. <laughs> yeah, I still have the the headset, but I promise I'm getting a proper microphone. You won't need to deal with this for too much longer. It's actually your turn this week, Lucy. So what are you going to tell us about? I want to tell you about this woman. She is... Named, well, she's described as the Vietnamese Joan of Arc, but this woman actually predates Joan of Arc by around 1,200 years. So really, Joan of Arc is the French duty gin. And I I looked up how to say it. I'm really, really, like, really sorry if I'm not saying it right, but it apparently that's how it's kind of said, duty gin. That's her name. So we'll start in the year 43, like 43 just, just, like just two digits, just just 43. You are um, really taking us back yeah, this week. way back. So in the year 43, China takes over Vietnam. Now, they said that they took over the country to civilise and assimilate the Vietnamese people. Now, we all kind of know what those two words mean. Generally, they don't mean anything. They just mean takeover. But the Vietnamese people also saw that for what it was, and they never accepted Chinese rule. So this caused, like, a bunch of rebellions over the years. Now, a couple of hundred years later, around 225, a little girl named Ju Ti Jin is born. She's born in a f- small village in the Nong Kong district. Again, I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. I hope I am. That's in the north central coast of Vietnam. But she becomes an orphan as a toddler and she's then raised by her, her brother. So sad start to the world. And actually, I should mention that some people say that she's more like a Cinderella story. So she's half Cinderella, half Joan of Arc, all Vietnamese also came before both of those examples just goes to show the way we view the world but back on also, the story not real was she no like okay. yeah what she's I not mean... real <laughs> she is very well to tell Hillary now um <laughs> so there's a few different versions of the story from here so there's the one where her brother marries and apparently Jew is treated horribly by her new sister-in-law who would always provoke her and treat her as a servant until one day Jew just She's had enough. She just kills her. Which I, oh, and this cool. was really funny because I was researching this, and in the first few stories that I read, they didn't mention this fact at all. And then I read another one, and they were like, "Oh, and she killed her sister." And I was like, "Why did these guys not <laughs> not put in this? You know, there's like this insignificant little detail. <laughs> killed her, <laughs> her sister-in-law." Um, and then, yes, scared of the consequences, she flees to the mountains where she makes camp. And then her brother finds her and begs her to come home. But by this point, at 20 years old, um, she's raised a small army of 1,000 people and trained them for battle, urging what? her fellow Vietnamese. Whoa, hang on. Whoa, 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 whoa. In the mountains, she just casually found 1,000 people to join her squad. I couldn't really find out where she found the people. I think that maybe they came no. to her. I think some say mountains, some say hills, but either way, she's somewhere. Okay. A bit of there's a bit of terrain involved, and she's just gotten a bit of a flock. You know, she's drawing people to her. So, so it's like 
She's just gone off and made like summer camp uh, and trained up random people just just on the in case um, <laughs> that she needs an like army uh, when someone actually does eventually find her for killing her stepsister. I don't think that's the case. No, I think so. I think that it's kind of incidental that she killed her sister-in-law. That's just kind of been the catalyst to get her to leave and to set up this camp. People are fighting with her, are coming to her because they also hate the Chinese. So it's a rebellion camp it, it right. they're not there to protect her from the consequences they're there to train up and she's like this beacon that's drawing them together but like I said there's a few different stories and is this actually just the story of Katniss Everdeen going to District 13 and uh <laughs> no I just binge watched all the Hunger Games movies so I'm right up in that wavelength oh God, right now I've been watching them too really because I almost watched one last night not even kidding <laughs> but this literally sounds like the movie when she like goes yeah to district 13 and she's like the beacon of hope yeah the mocking the, jay the mocking and jay. then there's like a whole army training up underground yeah. the three I have a quick question oh Rue, make sure Nailed it. my question though <laughs> the stories that didn't mention the killing of the sister-in-law they're just like oh well then something don't worry something happened no one paid attention. that that's fine don't pay attention to that she just left for the mountains no big deal yeah, that's what they say. Glaze over that. They say that she just she just goes to the mountains. These are very short stories. They were more like summaries of her life. But I can't. I I thought that was quite a thing to leave out. Yeah. <laughs> but it's always with like the further back we go in time with these stories, the more like the weirder they get. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But actually, that's, <laughs> so that's, that happened. Moving on. There's actually really interesting. Um, political, social, racial context around those details and the, why there's different versions of the stories. But I'll, I'll get to that. Anyway, okay. she's in the hills. She's got a thousand people. She's training them for battle. She's urging her fellow Vietnamese to rebel against the Chinese rulers because she hated seeing the way her people were treated. Now, just for a bit, little bit of a rundown, I did some research. Apparently, prior to the Chinese occupation, women in Vietnam were treated much more equally to men. So... And, and in fact, the first three people leading rebellions against China were women. And historians wow. say this this indicates that in that ancient Vietnam was a matriarchal society with women ruling over the clans and the tribes, um, at least as equally as men, if not more. And now, wow. and then the Chinese kind of come in, and everything kind of changes for the worse. Could you imagine if that? stayed that way and the rest of the world followed suit how different mm-hmm. yeah life would be do we think uh yeah I... it's it's kind of crazy it's like when when we went to egypt and we were learning about egyptian history and how women were in power but men were in power and like mostly we were learning about how ahead of the world the egyptians were in terms of technology and you know, just everything in general, the way they built things, the way that they did things, the way that they lived their life was just so advanced compared to the rest of the world. And now you go to Egypt and their infrastructure is so far behind and they've had this massive recession and all these things. It's like, whoa, like it's crazy. Different things could have been. Yeah. Back to the story. So eventually her brother gets to her and he tries to stop her from rebelling. Again, there's there's a couple of holes in the story, but Obviously, he doesn't seem to care too much about his dead wife, but he's trying to get her to stop rebelling. And she said, I only want to ride the wind and walk the waves, slay the big whales of the Eastern Sea, clean up frontiers and save the people from drowning. 
Why should I imitate others, bow my head, stoop over and be a slave? Why resign myself to menial housework? So there's only a few things she wants to do. Oh. She wants to ride the wind, walk the waves, slay the whales, clean up the frontiers, save the people from drowning. Just a couple of bucket list items. Just a little bit of a to-do um, list. It's a lot of good honour. That's a lot of things. That's a lot of things. What does walk the waves even mean? It's like when you try to when you're finishing high school, you're like, I don't know what I want to do. I like I don't want to resign myself to just riding the waves because I also want to walk the wind and I also want to slay the big whales and I want to clean up the frontiers. Should I just do a Bachelor of Arts? <laughs> <laughs> I want to be an entrepreneur. Thank you very much. And a lifeguard. There was one about drowning in there. <laughs> a career woman. Anyway, so she gives her brother this speech and he decides to join her. So very convincing. Oh. Yeah. So she's got this small army. She's galvanised the locals to fight back against the Chinese and this leads to actual battles. And what's really interesting is that Ju, she knew about the power of drama. So apparently she always, uh, when she was going into battle, she carried two swords on a battlefield and wore these bright yellow robes while she rode a an elephant. Now I know that these, it's not really... It's not really okay to ride elephants anymore, but also two <laughs> swords, yellow robes, elephant. What an image. <laughs> that is amazingly ferocious and boss lady. Yeah. But I, also. Mm-hmm. I, I have no, I'm not very, <laughs> in my lifetime have I ever been lost for words and I'm somewhat lost for words. You know what? It, it gets like better. you said, she likes drama and I have a lot of respect for that. So yeah. she likes to make an entrance. Yeah. It gets better. So the Chinese apparently said that it would be easier to fight a tiger than this woman. And um, she ends up liberating her territory and beating back 30 different Chinese advances. Now, what's interesting is that Chinese sources from this period note that a serious rebellion was breaking out, but they didn't say that it was led by Jew. And this was, I mean, according to what I've read online, this was likely because of Confucian beliefs, which include the women are inferior. So that meant that the Chinese couldn't very well say that they had this woman leading a rebellion um, that was defeating them because that made them look really, really bad. So they just didn't didn't mention that. And actually, to this date, apparently the only information that we have about this woman is from Vietnamese sources, which is interesting because this was Chinese-occupied territory, but it was only Vietnamese people who wrote about her. Now, one day the emperor decides to stamp out the rebellion and he sends reinforcements and there are a few different versions here of what happens next. So so in one version, um, he bribes Vietnamese locals to turn against the rebels and she's eventually defeated. And in one version, it says that she was killed in battle and another says that she was so heartbroken by the defeat that she committed suicide by throwing herself into the river at 23. Wow. Which is really sad. Wow. And in another version of the story, which I don't know, like I find this one a bit odd, but apparently the opposing commander found her weakness, which was uncleanliness, and he instructs his army to strip naked in the next battle and kick up dirt as they faced her. Apparently they did that and they just waved, like they just stripped, waved their bits at her, kicked clouds of dust around them, and she tried to fight her hate for it, but so horrified she just she just fled and um fled the battlefield, and then apparently she committed suicide as a way to preserve her honour. I find that that particular version a bit 
hard to believe because this is also a woman who apparently killed her sister and then just like lived in the hills for a few years. Doesn't sound like she'd be that afraid of uncleanliness, but I'm so I'm sorry. What? She rode an elephant in a yellow robe with double swords, but she doesn't <laughs> like a bit of dirt. Are you, you kidding? You're kidding. Agra should have loved the rough and tumble of it all. She lived in the bloody hills. Yeah, nah. Yeah, some some larrikin was like, I'm going to get real creative with this piece and I'm just going to, you know, who doesn't want an image of 100,000 men with their wheelies out kicking up some dirt? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I mean, yeah. But what's this is the thing that's really interesting. So her legend lives on and the stories about her only get a bit more insane. So there's some that say that she had a voice as loud as a temple bell and that she was nine feet tall, and this is the best part. Nine feet tall with breasts that were three feet long, and that she just threw them over her shoulders when she rode into battle. What the hell? <laughs> Do you throw them over your shoulder? Oh, wow, that's great. She just goes, whoop, whoop, ready to go. Like, I somewhat relate. I somewhat, somewhat, but not all the way. <laughs> just like hoiks them over her shoulders and just rides into battle with like these boobs resting on her shoulders insane um (laughs) but like half as tall as an average man like they're about as long as a small child right they're more than half my body (laughs) (laughs) the things you wouldn't get done with those bad boys yeah i mean good honor though proper sports bra but apparently she could also walk 500 leagues in a day, and I Googled this. That's around 2,414 kilometres. Really fast walker. Um, and she was also stunningly beautiful. Now, today she's known as Lady of Baju. And what's interesting about this whole thing, so there's obviously some parts that we know are true. So she's led a resistance. She's led a rebellion. She's been quite successful in that, but then she's, mythologized and there's this I think he's a historian Craig Lockhart who wrote a book on the topic and he said that these these elements of Jude that we under that we were told about her like her crazy height her loud voice her super long boobs <laughs> and the fact that she wrote an elephant into war were likely because of the same Confucian beliefs so Jude couldn't just be a woman because if she was just a woman then like defeat at her hands was embarrassing so instead that she she's been immortalized mm. as more of a goddess which is why we have some of those more out there out there elements to her story because of the way that history has i guess shaped that particular narrative so that's all i have on uh ju she's known as ba ju or lady ju in vietnam and there's and she's a national hero like they have a national day for her there's streets named after her. She's a big part of the, you know, the way that Vietnam sees itself. Like she's really, really interesting character. There's another quote that I'd like to share, which is, again, just a massive list of things that she has to do. Um, I'd like to ride storms, kill sharks in the open sea, drive out the aggressors, reconquer the country, undo the ties of serfdom, and never bend my back to be the concubine of whatever man. Wow. What an inspiration. You can understand why she's a national hero. Yeah. They're, they're fighting words. 
Keep sharks in the ocean. Like, yeah, bruh. <laughs> I mean, that part. Let's... With my elephant. <laughs> yeah. I also can see her, like, this is when you were describing what she was wearing. Um, I just imagined her, like, arriving at the Camp Met Gala from last year on her elephant with the coat shorts. <laughs> like, that was my first. So I was like, Met Gala. Like, it's just. Like Rihanna's outfit. You know, her big yellow gown. Rihanna's yeah, that's gown. what I thought of. Mm. But with two swords and an elephant, so take that, Riri. <laughs> I thought that she was amazing. Yeah. Really interesting story. So interesting. And the fact that the way that she's been twisted because people were intimidated that a woman could do the things that she was legitimately doing. Yeah. Um, she had to be mythologised to be impressive or for people to be like, oh, that's why she won because she was really tall and had giant boobs <laughs> and – wanted to slay sharks and walk on air that's why she won not on merit or passion or talent or the fact that she could rally a thousand people in the mountains on a oh exactly cash i actually just i still just can't get over the fact that they say that she walked 500 leagues in a day like that's a really really long way to go the stuff you could get done yeah which said was at 2414 so yeah, so this woman's a bit of a mix of history and she's also become a legend, but the history is there. Awesome woman. Yeah, did you know that, that her walking that far is the equivalent of walking from Sydney to Cairns in a day? Wow. Oh. Holy shit. <laughs> That's crazy. <gasps> done. Easy done. She's just getting her steps up. She's just getting her steps up. It's fine. With three four boobs. That'd be bloody heavy. <laughs> Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of Fierce Females of History podcast. You can hit us up in a couple of places. One is the email, which is fiercefemalesofhistory at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Instagram at Fierce Females Podcast or Facebook, Fierce Females of History. Or you can send us a delivery via drone. Just, just drop that baby down. We'd appreciate some wine with it, but make sure you attach your note. <laughs>